Welcome to the Ghosties Podcast. I'm Christina, a psychic medium. And I'm Missy, a medium in training. We are besties who look for ghosties. Join us as we go on our paranormal investigations, ghost hunting trips, and crossing over earthbound spirits along the way. This is Ghosties. Hello. <laughs> How's everybody oh. doing? It was me. Christina's just knocking things over. <laughs> How's everybody doing? What's going on? We have a cool episode today. Yes. Haunted okay. objects. Yes. And when Christina mentioned haunted objects, I was like, oh, things that get like possessed or whatever. And I was like, no, duh, there's so many cool stories. And a lot of you know some of these. Mm-hmm. Certain haunted dolls and mm-hmm. objects so we're gonna talk about those today yeah yep mm-hmm. yep everybody's heard of like annabelle the doll robert, robert the doll, doll. Mm-hmm. yeah those are some examples of haunted objects um but we've got a couple of really good stories here today we're going to talk about um also like how you yourself can Make sure that the energy of an object is good before you bring it home, especially if you're into thrifting or yeah. antiquing. We'll talk about that. <clears throat> Why don't you tell the story about that the ventriloquist doll uh, from, that you were just telling me about? Gosh, I, I told this story on TikTok um, a few weeks ago. but So when I was a kid, um, my mom is really into decorating. She's a good decorator. Um, but when I was a kid, she had put this male ventriloquist doll in my room. Um, and it used to sit like in a rocking chair that was near my window. And my window had a window ledge so that I could get up there and sit and look out my window. Well, I have distinct memories of waking up in the middle of the night and seeing the doll like reach out nope. onto the window ledge. Nope. I also have another memory of walking into my room and the doll like actually trying to crawl up onto the window no. ledge and falling as soon as I walked in the room. Can you just not? <laughs> Is that like the Chucky doll? I I mean, I don't know. Mm. I still don't know like to this day what it was. And I was really little. I was probably like four or five. Girl, you had a Chucky doll up in there. Yeah. Eventually the doll disappeared. So I have to assume that probably my mother experienced something weird with the doll as well. Well, I'm not throw it right away if I saw that happen. <laughs> Listen, no thank you. I know. I'm not, my boys will not have any weird dolls, ventriloquist dolls, nothing. Mm -mm. Dolls freak me out. Yeah. They just seem like little vessels. Little vessels that can hold stuff like that. Yeah, like stuffed animals, fine. He's got his Mickeys, like his little buddies, his little elephant and his cat Mm -hmm. and stuff. But we're not doing any dolls or anything that looks like a a person. Mm -hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. I know, right? Hello again. Sorry about us. Goodness. The recording stopped. I know. In true ghosties fashion. Yeah, I'm going to be watching this thing like a hawk. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go right into the story. So here is a story regarding haunted objects. So this is from the book uh, Haunted by the Things You Love by John Zaffis, who coincidentally enough is the, what did I say? The nephew? Nephew, I think. Nephew of Lorraine and Ed Warren. Yeah. And who are they? Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Ed was a demonologist, uh, as well as Lorraine was a psychic medium who formed their own paranormal investigation team and would go into, you know, different people's houses. If you've seen The Conjuring or Annabelle, you know who the Warrens are. I won't watch those. I, I can't watch them either. Mm-mm. 
Mm-mm. No, thank you. I'm yeah. good. I get it. Spirit stuff that's scary, it really scares me. I get me. the gist of it. <laughs> like that nun, too. Oh, yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, I can't. Anyways. Mm-hmm. All right, so here's the first story. <clears throat> so this is about cursed haunted jewelry. Nathan had ended his engagement to Nia. He had noticed that she hadn't been herself lately and recently had told everyone that she was a witch. Now, first oh. off, guys, spoiler <laughs> alert, I I am so okay with anybody who is Wiccan, pagan. If you are a witch and that is your bag, I support you. This is just the story, okay? Yes. So while that didn't bother him, her calling herself a witch... Her behavior had turned sinister recently. Oh. She had made jokes with her family that they had, quote-unquote, power that no one could match and that Nathan better not mess with any of them. He felt very unnerved, but he was so finally spooked that he decided to end things with Nia. He finally worked up the nerve to end the engagement. As he stepped through the door of their home, he noticed the candles were burning throughout the house, more so than usual. Yeah. Nathan. I know. Nathan cut right to the point. Nia, this is over. I can't marry you. I need to be by myself. Nathan said as Nia began to cry. But soon her lips thinned and her eyes thinned. She removed the sapphire engagement ring that she... And, excuse me. She removed the sapphire engagement ring and threw it at Nathan. Nathan handed it back to her. I want you to have this. It's a gift. I'd rather you have it. Again, Nia threw the ring back at him causing Nathan to pick it up once again and place it on her couch cushion. Nia had also given him his own ring several uh, months back. It was solid gold with a large garnet. Nathan really wasn't into jewelry, but in true fashion, as a fiancé does, in trying to support his fiancé, he decided to wear it, but only occasionally. He had brought the ring that night in its original case, which was in a leather-bound box with several symbols that he didn't recognize. I know. (laughs) He said, Nia, I can't keep this. This is yours. This was a gift. I don't feel right keeping it. Nia quickly reached out, grabbed the box, cupped it in her hands, closed her eyes, and thought to herself. Nathan didn't really know what she was doing. Why was she holding the box the way that she was? Mm. She opened her eyes suddenly. Are you sure you don't want to keep this? I don't feel right keeping it. You're the only man in my life. I would rather you just keep it as a token of our relationship. No, this ring is meant to stay with you, as her eyes still remained closed, cupping the box with the ring inside. This ring is meant to stay with you. She opened the box, looked at the ring, did a hand motion that he had never seen before, closed the box, and then handed it back to Nathan. Something felt odd. The air had changed. Uh, duh. Mm-hmm. Something about how she handled the box made Nathan feel uncomfortable, but ultimately they parted ways that night. Months went by, then a year. He hadn't heard anything from Nia since then. The ring and the box had been long packed away in the attic. Finally... Eventually, Nathan fell in love with another woman named Nikki, and they made plans to marry. He told Nikki about Nia, but not about her claim of being a witch. Mm. It had been in the past. It was time to move on. Everything was fine until their wedding night. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. After the wedding, they settled into their honeymoon suite, and as you can assume, you can assume what they were working up. The love. (laughs) Or eating macaroni and cheese and... 
passing out like I did on my wedding night. <laughs> Anyways. We, we passed out too. Yeah. Um, Mac and cheese and Cheetos from the vending machine in the hotel. Sweet. Because Mike was asleep. <laughs> sweet. It was like four in the morning by the time we got to our hotel. Yeah. We partied hard. Yeah. <laughs> so you can assume they were they were getting cozy, getting close. About ten minutes into their, their love, it became obvious... <laughs> That Nathan was not going to be able to perform for the rest oh, of the night. Oh, no. He was embarrassed. And they, this was another point that they made. They had purposely <clears throat> waited to keep themselves for their wedding night. Stop it. So it was odd. It, it was never happened to him. I know. <laughs> Sex in the City. <laughs> Charlotte and Trey. Trey can't get enough. Trey can't get enough. <laughs> you can assume that he was very embarrassed. But Nikki said, don't worry, it's fine, it's okay, we're both exhausted, we've both been drinking, we'll try again later. Hours later, and then Nathan is awoken to Nikki pushing him awake, crying hysterically, why are you hitting me? Nikki begins to tell him that she was awakened to Nathan. His eyes have gone totally dark, and he's punching her, hitting her, smacking her. He was dumbfounded, he didn't remember any of it. She said, you've been kicking and slapping and hitting me for the past 20 minutes. It's like you became a different person. Nathan was dumbfounded. He didn't remember anything that had happened. But judging from how upset Nikki was, he knew that she had been scared by someone or something. Her arms had big red welts (gasps) on them. Her face had an imprint of a hand on it. I'm so sorry, Nathan said. I don't know how this happened. I would never hurt you. They finally calmed down and they went to sleep. But soon... An hour later, Nathan awoke to being smacked and pinched by an unknown source that he couldn't see. Nikki was fast asleep next to him. He flew up out of the bed, kicking, swinging at an unseen source. Soon after they finally calmed back down and went to sleep, both of them were awakened to hitting, punching, kicking, slapping. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to go back to sleep. I wouldn't have either. Uh Uh-uh, I'd have been out of there. Uh Uh-huh. They barely slept that night. Oh, duh. Mm-hmm. They awoke the next day cranky and feeling a bit unnerved. The energy was tense. They didn't even feel like touching each other. I bet. For the rest of the honeymoon, Nathan continuously had performance difficulties, making it impossible for them to consummate their marriage. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Each night they slept, they were attacked again by an unseen source. It wasn't just the hotel room. It was happening now in their house, in their condo. That is not okay. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the honeymoon, they were so distant from each other that they didn't even want to be in the same room with each other. The first night back in their house, they had the same slew of attacks in their sleep. That morning, Nikki arose and Nathan was awoken by a scream. He runs into the bathroom to find curse words and the word kill spelled backwards written in lipstick on the bathroom mirror. stop yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Nikki screamed as she looked at the mayor. Why did you marry me? I'm scared of you. Who else would be doing this? That's when Nathan found John Zaffis's name and called him for help. They went down a laundry list of what this could be that was affecting them until Nathan finally was asked by John, is anybody upset with you? Did you upset anyone recently? And that's when he remembered Nia. Well, I was engaged to a witch. Say no more, John said. Did she give you a gift? Anything like that before you left? As a matter of fact, she gave me a garnet ring. 
As soon as they removed the garnet ring, everything stopped. His performance issues, the the nightly attacks that they were having in their sleep. They were also hearing disembodied voices. They couldn't tell what they were saying. That is too much. And mm-hmm. this is real story. This yeah. is a real story. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that mm. crazy? Do you want me to read another one? Sure. Okay. Do it. So mm. this comes... Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did y'all hear Logan? Logan's burp. Excuse him. He's like a little man. He's like, ugh. Bless him. <laughs> so... Goodness gracious. He's like Bart Simpson with a little, you know, when he burped and his little tongue sticks up. Feel better. So, this mm. one comes from the same book. Um, this is called The Deathbed Story. So, Brad and Laura had happened upon an antique bed through a mutual friend at Brad's work. Who, this particular friend from the way the story reads, was selling the bed at work. He was trying really hard to get rid of it. Okay. Brad volunteered to take ownership of the antique bid. His co-worker had an affinity for antique items, but he said this particular bed was not staying in their house. His wife had become extremely ill since they put it and replaced their original bed and began using it as their own. There was no explanation for her illness. No doctor could figure out what was wrong with her, Mm. but the wife continued to deteriorate. So they decided to get rid of the bed. So, Brad takes ownership of this bed, brings it home. He was not spooked at all by the stories that the, you know, the original owner had told. And the original owner had said that he had purchased it from someone else secondhand. Oh, so it comes from a long line of potential. Uh-huh. Well, so, as soon as Brad brings it home, his wife, Laura, starts noticing that they're seeing shadow figures only outside their bedroom oh, door. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Soon after that, disembodied voices began uh, to be heard throughout the house. Okay, so the disembodied voices is like a like a ghost reoccurring theme here. Yeah, uh huh. Then shortly after that, Laura fell ill, deathly ill. Mm -hmm. Um, No matter what they did, Laura would not get better. There was no improvements in her illness, and she just continued to deteriorate. Laura swore. That the bed was the origin of her illness. Mm. So finally Brad humored her, called John Zaffis, and asked him to come out. He said, do you know of anyone that knows the history of the bed? And that's when Brad remembered that his co-worker had told him that there had been original, you know, an owner. So eventually they tracked down this original owner who was a really wealthy man who loved antiquing, but abroad overseas. Mm-hmm. So they asked this guy, where did this bed originate from? Oh, it was a deathbed that was used for viewing. Excuse me? They would put the dead bodies on the bed, and then that's where they would sit until cremation. Oh, no. They even wondered whether or not the bed itself, like the frame, had been used to push the bodies into the crematorium. That's horrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. Why would anybody even sell this? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So basically what they they asked John to do was to take the bed, you know, out of the house, cleanse it, and then do with it whatever he, he wished. As soon as he removed the bed, Laura was not sick anymore. Oh, look at that. She started improving. There was no more problems in the house. Everything returned to normal. No antiquing for me. <laughs> 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 and then my last one here 
If anybody knows who Greg and Dana Newkirk are, probably some of my most favorite paranormal investigators. To me, they're like the current version of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah. And they themselves have a museum of haunted objects, and they have the only traveling museum of haunted objects in the United States. So they, they have all these different items that they hold in their house that have been rumored to be haunted. But one really stood out to me. It was called Billy the Idol. <laughs> so this African idol, discovered bound in a burlap sack under a home in Dayton, Ohio, was believed cursed. Under a home. Under a home. Get rid of it having caused terrible nightmares, anomalous activity, and feelings of dread in the clients who stumbled upon it. Shortly after it was donated to the Newkirk Collection, the curators themselves began to experience activity that ranged from technological malfunctions to phenomena consist with uh, a poltergeist activity. In fact, dozens of museum visitors would later report having a strange, vivid dream after coming in contact with the idol. While many more would find that their own photographs or videos of themselves with the idol would either mysteriously corrupt or disappear altogether, which an, we, we've we experienced that. That's a no for me. <laughs> yeah. All of our, half of our Matthews pictures. Yeah. Some at Hollywood Cemetery. Yep. They disappeared. Yep. Initial EVP sessions with the idol of nightmares at first yielded nothing but guttural screams. But as the new Kirks continued to work with the item, full sentences eventually came forth. And it seemed that trust was starting to be developed between okay. whatever entity was within the idol and the new Kirks. The entity started calling people by name in the EVP sessions, referring to past events, and even appeared to be telling jokes. <laughs> uh huh. But something even more strange began to happen. Museum visitors who would see the idol. <laughs> Logan burped, began to spontaneously present offerings to the idol, finding that their lives were dramatically affected in positive ways shortly after. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like when they showed the idol respect, the entity within it bestowed a blessing upon That's them awesome. almost. Mm-hmm. Some claimed that they'd been saved from car accidents. Others found themselves in sudden strokes of luck. Ooh, I need that. I know, right? It wasn't long before the intelligence began to appear in Greg's dreams, delivering messages, and even presenting plans for mysterious devices and methods presumably used to contact the dead. So, like, divination methods. I don't know. Oh. So, it looks like there's a family member. No, sorry. It's a guide. I just saw it really clearly step next to you. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like a blue energy. So, oh, Maybe that's James. your... Yeah, that's James. James. Uh-huh, blue. Interesting. Um, so basically what they said is um, they really only noticed that they had a negative reaction from uh, the idol if it's almost like their museum members would have whatever energy was within themselves reflected back to them when they would view the idol. And another cool story about the idol is, and I've told you this one before, um, Greg and Dana, because they have a traveling museum of the paranormal, they will go all across the country to pick up haunted objects. Oh, thank you. And they had on this particular outing, Billy, they called the idol Billy, <laughs> and being ironic, like Billy the idol. Billy the idol. Mm-hmm. 
but they wanted to give him a name, you know, to personalize him in that way. So they had Billy in the back seat of the car. Well, they go to meet this person and they find, you know, the original destination that they're supposed to get to. They get to. And it's very remote, very desolate. And both Greg and Dana have kind of like a foreboding feeling. They don't feel comfortable. Well, then this person that's supposed to meet them pulls up behind them, but in such a way that makes it difficult for them to move. And they're only supposed to be meeting one person. So Greg reaches in the car to get something and happens to hear a noise coming from the direction of Billy the Idol in the back seat. Enough that got his attention to look in, in the direction of the back of the car. And when he did... He saw, if I remember correctly, several people exiting the car. Nope. Almost like they were getting ready to jump Greg and Dana. The, it gave him enough time to jump in the car and get around the car so that they could get away from it. But it's interesting. It's almost like they had built this relationship yeah. with Billy. Billy trusted them. And Billy saw what was getting ready to happen and warned Greg. I was like, not my friend. <laughs> right? Not my best friend. But what was so cool about how they had this experience with Billy is it totally changed my perspective about haunted objects. Yeah. EVP sessions, get rid of it. Destroy it, bury it, throw it in the water, get it out of your home. Yeah. But what he started saying was it was almost like the entity didn't trust them because it's been bound in that object for so long. And once it developed a rapport, it trusted them. And it made me think, he said, if you throw out an object that has an intelligent entity attached to it, that's tantamount to torture because you're basically casting this thing still caught in that object. And it's just going to stay there, you know, caught for forever until somebody happens upon it. So why not engage with the object and try and figure out, hey, do you need to be crossed over? Maybe it's an earthbound spirit, something that needs to be crossed. Yeah. So it really made me think. And I hope this episode will probably make other people think or other people think as well. Like, don't just go to destroy an object if it creeps you out. There's people that can take it, you know, within the United States that will take it off your hands. They can see whether or not the object is truly possessed by something. And maybe it's an object that, you know, has an earthbound spirit attached that just needs to be crossed over. And there are people like Christina that can do that. Yeah. I know, right? Cutie little Logan. Try to sit him down. Ugh. His face looks awful broken out. Oh, my goodness. He's so cute. sitting me down here and it's not going to happen. <laughs> you got five seconds to pick me up or things are going to go wrong. Oh, oh no. Hey, you look happy. Sorry, guys. Those are some pretty cool stories. I know. I'm just going to reference. Are you are, are you finished with your story? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I'm good. i to make sure before I cut you off. Yeah. I'm going to reference a few that some of you guys may or may not have heard of. Cool. I had not heard of a few of them. Okay. The first one um, are the Tallman bunk beds. Oh. Do you know about this? No. Okay. It was on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Ooh. In the 1980s, Alan and Debbie Tallman bought a bunk bed, a bunk beds, <laughs> for their two <laughs> kids at a secondhand shop. Mm-hmm. From the first night they brought them home, it was very clear something was wrong with the bed. Mm-hmm. First, one of their sons, who rarely even got a cold, fell horribly ill. The radio on the nightstand began turning on and off on its own. 
the youngest daughter claimed to see a witch standing over her bottom bunk. Doors moved, lights turned on and off. Wow. Yeah. And wow. this is only a taste of the strange happenings. Soon the family began hearing voices throughout the house, and this carried on for nine months before they'd had enough. What? The Tallmans had the bunk beds destroyed, and the haunting stopped. What? Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's probably happy to be held by his Ninas. <laughs> He's, like, kind of got a little bit of a grin on right now. Oh, you do. <clears throat> oh, you do. Oh, you do. Okay. That's crazy. I know. Can you... Poor kids. I know. So, Bunk bed. Yeah. It makes me think of... And he, like, right now his thing is, I love you more, I love you, bear. Like, he tries to say, I love you more than I can bear. But (laughs) But there have been times where he's told me he doesn't like the picture. Or when we go to put him in bed, he's, like, looking at the picture. But it's, like, a brand new, came in a set of three off of Amazon kind of thing. Like, the other pictures are in his room, too. Uh But I've often wondered if there's something about that picture, even though it's brand new and, like... Maybe, maybe it just needs a good sage. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, like, infuse it with some Reiki. Um, Because there's stories in that book that um, I read from that talks about brand new items. Okay. Having the potential. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Are you okay? Okay. (laughs) Gonna make it? So yeah, maybe that's not a bad idea. I've thought about that, and I'm like, no, it's probably nothing. He's just probably like curious about it, but then yeah, I don't know. yeah, Kinda maybe like, do that. Yeah, when he has the dreams about his animals, he's still. Oh, did I tell you that he thinks <laughs> that where the hippo bit his belly is his belly button? So, oh. y'all, he had this dream about a hippo. Apparently, a hippo bit his belly in his dream, and he'll be like, "Did hippo get your belly?" I'm like, "I don't know, did it?" So now when he looks at his belly button, he uh-huh. thinks that's what happened when the hippo got his belly. Oh my god! So now, <laughs> belly button, he's got a permanent <laughs> scar, you know? <laughs> Bless him. When he said the hippo bit his belly, I thought that was absolutely yeah. adorable. Well, and then the next dream was, did a bird get your hand? I'm like, because he, he says you instead of me. He doesn't understand. I mean, he d- does, but instead of saying I'm hungry, he'll say, are you hungry? You hungry? You oh, hungry, yeah. Jack? You hungry, Jack? <laughs> I don't know. So he'll say, did a bird get your hand? So, oh. yeah. All these animals be messing with them. Poor little girl. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> this is the Myrtle's Plantation Mirror. Look at this house. Oh, my God. Dun, dun, dun. <coughs> oh, bless Ooh. you. Bless, oh, bless you, Logan. Bless you. Bless you. You guys don't like babies. Sorry about us. <laughs> <clears throat> Mirrors have have a long reputation of connecting worlds of the living and den. The mm-hmm. ones de- living and dead, not den. The ones sitting in the Myrtle's plantation are no different. The mirror, over 200 years old, has accrued a number of tales of paranormal activity during its time there. According to the popular legend, one of the plantation slaves named Chloe baked an oleander-laced cake that poisoned three members of the Woodruff family, which were the owners of the Myrtle plantation at that time. Supposedly, Chloe, um, she was a young slave girl, 
She had been favored by the plantation master and given easier task. Afraid that the master would become bored and put her back in the fields, she devised a plan to make his wife and his two daughters ill and heal them back to health. Unfortunately, her plan didn't work. She was murdered by other slaves on the plantation, and the Woodruff women died from the poison. Their spirits apparently remain trapped in the mirror to this day. Oh, I have heard that story, mm. or at least a variation of it. Yeah. Wow. Mirrors are a hotbed for stuff like that, Listen, I feel like. And if you all don't know about this, um, there's, and some of you may, and I know you know about this, it's the same as like closets, like where you have your bed in your bedroom, mm-hmm. you shouldn't really have a mirror facing it. Oh yeah. And like I always make a point to keep like my closet doors closed because I feel like that just like mm-hmm. attracts mm-hmm. energies, Yeah, you know? I've heard that. And you know what freaks me out is before we got rid of our bedroom furniture in the guest bedroom, if I'd sleep in there, the mirror mirror was directly beside it. It was a full... Oh, wow. Like, dresser mirror. Wow. Yeah. I'm wondering if that was why, you know, that room was kind of creepy then. Oh, maybe. hmm Mirrors, I tell you what, I mean, like, we shop for vintage and antique all the time because we've got that eBay store, um, and our house is pretty much decorated like that. I will not buy a secondhand mirror. Good I never know. have, and I never will. Good to know. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Mm-mm, I never will. I mean, his, you know, was brand new when he got it, but mm-hmm. either way, doesn't mean weird stuff can't happen. The next one is about dun, 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 Annabelle, the demon doll. Ooh. And a lot of you know about her, but oh, did yeah. you realize that she actually is a Raggedy Ann type looking doll? That's right. She's not the doll with the long blonde hair. and Yeah. Um, and... Mind you, this article that I found all this in is seven haunted objects you should absolutely stay away from. (laughs) (laughs) And this, of course, mentions Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm -hmm. The story began when a student nurse was gifted a Raggedy Ann doll in 1970. The doll began acting strangely, seemingly coming to life and harming the student's boyfriend. Yikes. When they sought help, a medium informed the young woman that it was inhabited by the spirit of a dead girl named Annabelle Higgins. The medium tried to rid the doll of the spirit, but after all attempts failed, she called the Warrens. They removed the doll from the young woman's possession, saying it was possessed by demons. Um, That's the basic story of it, but as you know, it's spun into several horror films. Mm -hmm. Um, And because she's apparently too dangerous to remain out in the world, she resides in a locked glass cupboard at the Warrens Museum. Yep. I've heard, too, that you have to ask. It, it might not be her. I might be thinking of Robert the Doll, but you have to ask her permission. To take a picture. To take a picture. That is Robert the Doll. Mm-hmm. He's in here, too. Mm-hmm. We'll go ahead and talk about him. Yeah. Robert's a creepy-looking doll, too. Truly. Ugh. He truly And is. then his stuffed animal that he has. Yeah. It looks like he's in, like, a navy outfit. Uh-huh. Okay. The story of his origins um, are all over the place, but some say um, its original owner, Otto, was given the doll by a young girl that he harmed in some way. This is not what I told. Do you know the story of Robert? Uh, I was told that his nanny gave it to him or something. Yeah. And that she practiced, like, um, Like voodoo voodoo and stuff. Yeah. And she gave the doll to him. And then I think the kid got sick. That's what I heard, yeah. And then the doll was given to someone else, mm-hmm. and they, like, locked him away in the attic or something. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, That's the one that I remember. Yeah. So, hang on. 
we gonna get the real story here mm -hmm. because yeah robert's actually in a museum down in key west yes. and i know people that have gone i think stevie's gone to see him Oh, wow. Yeah, but it says you have to ask to take his picture. Uh -huh. And if you don't, like, you will have the worst luck or, like, I think people have been sick, gotten car wrecks, lost their jobs, yeah. died. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so when you go to the museum, apparently you can see all of these letters that people have sent him apologizing. Oh. And then they'll even send him candy. I remember Apparently that. to, like, make up for it. I remember the letters when I saw him. Yeah. He is uh, a handmade doll. He stands over three feet tall, and he's stuffed with wood shavings and dressed in a faded sailor suit. Ooh. Yeah. He is a creepy-looking doll, guys. If you've ever really seen is. him online or if you've been to visit, it's creepy. Yeah, this, um, this version of the story says that he is a result of a voodoo curse conjured by a vengeful servant who was angry at the Otto family. Mm -hmm. And they also think that he may have um, absorbed some of the emotional energy from Eugene, which Eugene Otto was his original owner. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. They would see, people would come over and like see him talking to the doll. And like, like you said about the Ventrolicus doll, they would see it move. Oh, yeah. It would be in different chairs, you know. Nope. Yep. Um, apparently, an aunt convinced, convinced Eugene's parents to get rid of the doll, and it was moved into the attic. Soon after that, the woman that convinced um, them to get rid of the doll found, was found dead of a stroke. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I think it would be interesting to go see the doll sometime, but mm -hmm. I'm not in a hurry in a big black or in a big uh glass case yeah it's funny that these dolls are kept in glass cases and mm -hmm. i think there's um like you can go on a tour and like people are really serious about telling you like i think i heard of a story of this like whole group of people that were like oh we're gonna go see robert and the tour guide was like this is really serious like yeah you were we talking about that uh-huh okay mm -hmm. then that's where i heard it they're like no you you need to like understand yeah. that if you go in here yeah don't play games don't take his picture like you have to ask permission mm -hmm. um and that apparently they have to close up in twos oh. close up the uh, museum in twos like they said they'll see his face move around i think there's actually video of his face moving around um but that if people that used to close up by themselves mm -hmm. would either get like locked in or like something would happen to them or the doors would be all unlocked the next oh day. So they God. have to close up wherever that museum is, like in twos. Oh, mm -hmm. my pairs. God. Mm -hmm. Yikes. Logan isn't down with that either. No, he's not. <laughs> he's like, no, thank you. Good. He you feels okay? the way I feel about it. You good? You gotta swipe this chair. Yeah. What'd you think? That's crazy. Yeah. Here's another one. It's the killing chair of Thomas um, Busby, which I've heard about this. You I've know heard about, about this, this yeah. one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This one, um, I think it's, isn't it on a tour in New Orleans or is that something else in a bar I'm thinking of? Uh, this was, it was this different. Yeah, this is different. There's one in a bar. There's a chair on the wall in a bar mm -hmm. in New Orleans or something. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that one too. And like it was at the bar, but... I think if people would sit in it, like, bad stuff would happen. Yeah. So now they have it, like, up on a wall. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what this one reminded me of. Yeah. In June 1702, two men were killed, one bludgeoned to death, and the other tarred, feathered, and hanged. Goodness. The latter killed the former after they agreed about, after they argued about the killer's wife, who was also the victim's father. 
After killing his father-in-law, Thomas Busby returned to his favorite chair at a quiet country inn nearby. Eventually, authorities tracked him down to the chair, which he refused to leave. When they forced him up, um, he was actually tried for his crimes. He was found guilty and hanged at a nearby crossroads. Before he died, he cursed the chair and said, anyone who sits in the seat will surely meet death. Some say the chair has claimed the lives of 63 people who, after taking a seat, had untimely deaths. Others say it's simply a matter of coincidence. Good. So it's hanging on a wall. What's the, I need to, what's the um, bar in New Orleans? I'm going to look at this up right now with the chair on the wall. Okay. Because that is one. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. While Missy looks that up, if everybody wants, ooh, excuse you. (laughs) Um, If anybody wants a little exercise that they can do if you're out thrifting or antiquing, you want to use something called psychometry to check the energy of the item you're about to buy. So if you take a couple of deep breaths, imagine yourself getting ready to walk into a telephone booth. And that telephone booth is your protection. Um, It's going to protect your auric field, your energy. Just a cool little visualization to get you in a protected state. Um, but you see yourself walking into that telephone booth, closing the door, and as soon as you close that door, know that your auric shield has been put in place and protected. You want to take a couple of deep breaths. If you want to, rub your hands together like you would when you're out in the cold, and then you're going to place both hands on the item that you're interested in buying. Close your eyes and then see what comes up for you. Whatever like gut reaction comes up first is your answer. Mm. If that object makes you sick feeling, if it gives you like an instant feeling of nausea, don't buy it. If it makes you get a headache instantly, don't buy it. Good to know. You should only feel happy. But if you start feeling like you're hearing arguments in your head while you're holding the object, or if you fear, uh, feel fearful, don't buy it. Oh. Yeah. That's how when we were looking for our house... I use psychometry every time I walked into a house. I'd feel on the walls. I wanted to know what happened in that house oh, before good. we moved in. Yeah. Um, I can't find that anywhere. What? I know it's a thing. It is a thing. Because I, I think it's on the tour that you one of the ghost tours in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Well, if you Google it, it doesn't come up. I search it two different ways. Good lord. Weird. Goodness. But I know. I want to go on a New Orleans like. <laughs> Goes on tour sometime. <laughs> he does too. Yeah. But that oh, requires a lot. It truly does. That's a long trip. These were good stories. They were. Really good. Yeah. We came up with these really fast too. We truly did. Yeah. <laughs> we literally decided last night we were going to record together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of certain circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was a good episode, y'all. It was. And if y'all have ever had an experience with an object that you feel is haunted, let us know. Shoot us a message. Yes. You mm-hmm. know where to find us. Yep. Instagram. Facebook. <laughs> Pinterest. <laughs> Gmail. Yep. We're on TikTok. We Definitely. have a few videos up. Find us on TikTok. I know, y'all. Interact with us. Like us. Mm-hmm. And if you want to find um, two other pretty cool people to follow on TikTok... One of them is Christina the Medium, and one is Missy is Petty. Yes! Because <laughs> we have some fun videos on there, too. Definitely. So follow us. Be yeah. our friends. Yes, guys. Yes. All right. Till next time. Bye. Stay spooky. <laughs>